When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Dear young married couple, have you ever felt hopeless in your marriage? Or maybe your spouse says something to you and you react really negatively and they look at you with that look in their eye that says, where did that come from? (laughs) Today we're going to be talking about where that negativity may have come from, how it developed and what to do about it. So in this episode, we're going to introduce to you some science, but we're going to make it very uh, normal human terms. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about the laundry. (laughs) (laughs) So the laundry gives us a really good example. So you know how, let's say you're getting ready for work or you're getting the kids ready and you know, you're looking for those little socks for their feet (laughs) and it's this pile of laundry and you're like, okay. I need to find little socks. I know they're white. I know they're white. So as you're digging through, your your eyes naturally gravitate to everything that's white because you're looking for so white you socks. you throw out that white undershirt and you throw out the white pillowcase and you pull through the stuff. Well, maybe you separate your whites from your darks. So white may not be a good example, <laughs> but in any case, you're looking for that particular sock or texture or yeah, maybe it's a, maybe it's a jean skirt. And so you're pulling your husband's jean pants out and you're pulling your kid's jeans out and you're looking at, Oh, there's my jean skirt. Right. Mm-hmm. But your eyes naturally gravitate toward the thing that you're looking for. Because the fact of the matter is there are I can't remember the number, but they're like millions and millions of bits of information coming at you and your brain is really a sifting through the gigantic amount of information that's coming in through your eyes Mm -hmm. and sorting out, this is important. You need to pay attention to this. You need to pay attention to this. So when I tell my brain, Hey, I know that I need this thing in this multicolored, um, load of laundry. I need uh, let's say red, the red socks and my eyes start to see only red. Do you have red socks? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you you have red some. socks. I just saw them. Oh yeah. My Christmas socks <laughs> that she wears sometimes <laughs> when it's not Christmas <laughs> busting her out here. So another example would be, you know, you want a specific vehicle and you're just driving through town. You're on the freeway and you start seeing what? that particular vehicle everywhere for us it was a jeep rubicon and we just loved the jeep rubicon we wanted to get one for our company and for our jeep retreats and guess what we started seeing everywhere jeep rubicons and it's not because jeep suddenly said like adam and chris want a jeep rubicon let's put a bunch more out on the freeway 
No, it's because of this thing called the reticular activating system. Your brain is not going to record all of the cars it sees for the entire, you know, trip from here to school or church mm -hmm. or work, but it will take in what it's looking for. Yeah, well, the opposite of the reticular activating system would be like when you're driving home and you're listening to a podcast like this <laughs> and you don't like when you, maybe you get to the place you're, you're, you're going to and you shut off your podcast and then you realize like, I don't remember a thing about that drive. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't remember which red lights I stopped yeah. at. Did I, I stop at, at the <laughs> red lights? Uh, you know, like you, you completely like that, that whole space of time was a blur. That's because your reticular activating system, you're just kind of on, uh, just autopilot. Mm -hmm. Nothing's really standing out. Your brain's like, nothing's important. You know, if you almost get hit by a car, you'll remember that. But that's your brain really saying nothing is really important besides what you're listening to. Just please don't hit anything. Yep. So that's the opposite. The RAS, so the reticular activating system, is where your brain says, hey, this is important. Pay attention to this thing or these things or this pattern. And that's where that's everything in that that fits that pattern stands out and you become more aware of it. Not that it's not there um, before, mm -hmm. it just, you become aware of it. So how does this apply to marriage? That's what I was just going to ask. Wow. How does this apply to your relationship and why you might be feeling hopeless right now about your marriage? So when our reticular activating system is activated and you've told your brain, look at this particular thing, it starts looking at that particular thing, even mm -hmm. if it applies to relationships. So right now we've been talking about objects like a Jeep or a red sock or a white sock, but it applies in the same way when we're talking about negative or positive interactions in your marriage. So we can get into what we call positive sentiment override. And we often see this with, um, you know, premarital couples that we're working with that we, we call it rose colored glasses because their brain tells them, look at all the good in this person. You want to marry this person. Mm -hmm. Look at everything good about them. Right. Everything in the relationship at that point is bright and sparkly. <laughs> Hence rose colored glasses. <laughs> That's because, I mean, it's a, it's a fact that our brains do actually focus on the positive and reject the negative in that, mm -hmm. in that time. And then you get married to the person. Then you start letting your guard down because man, you've been putting out so much effort. And at the same time, the other person is letting down their guard. And then you're like, wait, who did I marry? <laughs> so that's, that's for a different episode. And you start seeing the reality, but what happens over time, if we're not really intentional about seeing reality for what it is, is we put on another lens, not rose colored glasses this time, but we put on what's called negative sentiment override. And how does this develop? Negative sentiment override could develop from a lot of built up resentment. So like your spouse is late after you've asked them to be here at a specific time or leave at a specific time. Um, it could be that, you know, you've requested their attention and they consistently stay on their phone. Right. Well, past patterns generally, mm -hmm. when you see a negative pattern, especially, you know, if you had some uh, past patterns of neglect yep. in your childhood mm -hmm. or past relationship or relationships, your, that those things that your husband does or your wife does 
are going to trigger you, um, even if they're have nothing to do with being in in it, in essence, negative. Right. So the negative sentiment override can develop from interactions with your spouse mm-hmm. that that breed resentment, but it could also develop from the history you have with other relationships right. in your childhood or past lovers. Right. Well, even neutral comments or actions turned into a negative sentiment um, when this is going. Mm -hmm. Um, So John Gottman actually is one of the first researchers to track this within marriage. Um, He found that, uh, well, let me slow down. John Gottman is, has been tracking marriages for like 40 years time. Yeah. Yeah. Longitudinal studies with couples over time. And what he did is he took lots of people in relationships and put them together in a Airbnb in Washington before it was called Airbnb. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And just watched them interact and came up with tons of experiments to figure out what makes love work or what makes it it last. The love lab. Yes. So he took, um, thousands of couples through the love lab in those 40 years. Mm -hmm. Um, but he tracked them for the duration of the 40 years, which is really powerful because we got to see what did he observe in the love lab that then resulted in staying together or not. And what kind of a, what quality of relationship as well. And he called the, he, he split those people into two groups, the masters of relationship and the disasters. <laughs> I love that. Of relationship. And there were plenty of people that fell in between. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. But what he essentially found were so many different indicators of, hey, you have such and such a probability of staying together. So mm-hmm. please knock this off if you want to stay married. Right. Well, one of the things he found, um, actually, here's the experiment. So he took a whole bunch of couples had them play out their lives in this love lab and then um, took neutral observers. So like therapists and scientists and what they did is they just watched the tapes of these individuals living their lives and they were tasked with writing down or tallying all the positive interactions. So just, you know, just count them you know, one, two, three, four, five, (laughs) Mm -hmm. how many positive interactions these people had. And so the neutral observers sat down and did that. Then he took the couples themselves and had them watch their own tape. And he said, I want you to go ahead and mark down the positive and negative interactions that you have. What he found was really interesting. Yeah. The couples who were in distress, these disasters of relationships, when they were asked to do this very thing, mark down the number of positive interactions, they missed 50% of the positive interactions that they actually had compared to the neutral observers' observations. And so what they took as uh, something that could have been neutral or positive, they didn't recognize it as such. Um, they recognized it as something negative. Um, and, and the trained neutral observers were like, no, 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 no. Like this was a positive interaction because of X, Y, and Z. So they're, they're missing out on what's even happening in their relationship. Not to mention there were far fewer positive interactions for those couples, but they were missing the ones they even had. So there's a natural bias that occurs that helps you miss all the good things and focus on making more bad things out of what would be neutral or even positive. Exactly. So know that when when a marriage, and we've worked with so many marriages, um, 
when a marriage is really, really feeling negative, often it's not as negative as it feels. Mm-hmm. Um, feelings are not the best judge of um, reality. They need to be acknowledged, mm-hmm. but you also want to put yourself into a more positive sentiment override yes. um, so that you can see the reality of what good things are happening in your relationship. So the first thing that couples can do intentionally to work on this negative sentiment override, even if you feel like you're maybe not in a negative place, but you're kind of in this neutral, but you're not feeling exactly positive about it. Yeah. Maybe you feel yourself getting kind of feisty in your responses or you're a little sensitive. Maybe or, your guards up. Yeah. Yeah, is to start start to share appreciation with the your spouse. This is huge because, first of all, it helps you um, start looking for more positive things to comment on. Because when you're acknowledging the positive, you naturally have to. Your brain will actually say, "Hey, this is important to look for." Um, I'm gonna look for more positive, so I can start sharing more positive. So the more that you share, the more you look for. That's a qu- quick way, actually, of, of changing from a negative sentiment override to a positive. So number one, share your appreciation and compliments with the other person regularly. Number two, have a routine at the end of the day. Uh, we call it our daily check-in. Have a routine where you ask each other consistently what went well in our relationship today. This is not necessarily a compliment of the other person. It's acknowledging the positive interactions that you've had. Um, And so what happens is if you know you're going to be asked that question at the end of the day, your brain starts to look for that Jeep Wrangler. It starts to really (laughs) notice what's going well so that you can answer that question and not be like kind of dumbstruck when you're asked that question. Um, And then as you start noticing that out loud, your brain registers that as a celebration and it's a positive reinforcement and you want to repeat that pattern. Yes. The last thing that you could do to really start changing this negative sentiment override um, is to create a place of safety. Um, I was actually working with a couple just recently that had a lot of hard stuff happen to them um, in their marriage and it wasn't easy for them to interact at all. Mm. And so, um, they were coming to, to session, um, biweekly. And what we were doing is we were creating a place of safety there to talk about all the hard stuff. Um, but what I was encouraging them to do is to start to form some rules or like have a, a sort of dialogue that they, uh, can fall back to that can create a bubble of safety. I called this a bubble of safety. Mm-hmm. Um, in their home. And I said, it doesn't have to be long, but maybe it's 30 minutes. Cause they were relying just on the session yes. for the safety. Yep. And you were trying to like replicate some dynamics that you have yeah. in session in their home. Yeah, I was wrong. They were doing it once a week, uh, doing it sessions once a week, mm. but I, I was encouraging them. Okay. Now you need to take the leap and not just rely on this session to ha- start talking about some of the hard stuff. You guys need to develop a place where there is less reactivity mm-hmm. and more listening and more curiosity. And those are fabulous words to, to really put on and think about. Yeah. But if we can create a bubble of safety where both people go in cautiously, um, very carefully, because they were doing a great job in, se- in session. They weren't mm-hmm. blowing up. They were sharing really great. I said, now I think you could take this into your life. Mm-hmm. And so when they do that, when they take... 
um, that bubble of safety and, and really like embrace that, what's going to happen is that bubble of safety is going to expand and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And over time, developing those, those ha- you know, good habits, really, mm-hmm. they're both going to find that their relationship is much safer. Mm-hmm. And then they'll have so much more positive sentiment override rather than that negative looking for a trap or looking for, you know, that tell off statement that, <laughs> that, you know, your spouse said, right. So those are just some things to keep in mind, um, that you can implement really quickly, yeah. but you have to have the buy-in from your spouse. Yeah. And a lot of people will go into these conversations with like trepidation because it's new. Anything new is going to be awkward. Mm-hmm. And that at first may not make you want to do it again Mm -hmm. because it was like, oh, that was awkward or weird or vulnerable. But if you can challenge yourself to do it a few times, uh, they say it takes about 21 days to form a new habit. Um, But then it takes another couple of cycles of 21 days to reinforce it. Mm -hmm. If you can keep this up for a couple of months, you're going to be in good shape when it comes to positive sentiment override. Even if it's awkward, keep it up. You guys can laugh at the awkwardness. You can say, this is a little weird, but let's do our daily check-in. What went well in our relationship today? Um, Something that can help with the awkwardness too is our foundations card deck. I just thought of that. We weren't planning on bringing this in, but the foundations card deck gets you talking about these things in a non-awkward way because it's there on the card. So it's not like you have to come up with a question or feel weird for asking that question. It's just part of the game. It's on the card. Um, so we'll link that in the show notes, but we'd recommend grab that foundations card deck to start talking about these things. And it gives you little communication tips. And for instance, the daily check-in, what went well in our relationship today is on one of those cards as a tip. Yeah. Another place uh, that you could go to if you're, well, any stage of relationship, but we have a premarital course called Prequipped mm-hmm. where we teach yep. some of these structures. Um, another resource that you guys can look up if you just want, hey, I need that bubble of safety right now. There's nothing we need. We're desperate. We need to create that. Look into Imago therapy. Mm-hmm. The yeah. Imago dialogue is a great place to start. Um, yeah just to have like, okay, here are some rules that we're going to abide by and we're going to stick to these rules for a while. Yes. They're going to be clunky. Yes. It's not going to be perfect. It might be a little messy, but if you stay with it, it will produce results. We've seen that happen time and time again. Yes. So just a little encouragement and hopefully some um, things to think about. In the Imago Dialogue, you can get that in counseling, obviously, but another place you can get it is um, a book by Harville Hendricks called Getting the Love You Want. Mm -hmm. Excellent book. It's a classic. Um, Most people who have gone through counseling, um, you know, school for counseling or therapy have read it. And um, a lot of us employ some of those methods in our work. So you can grab that book, Getting the Love You Want by Harville Hendricks. And um, we'll also put the foundations card deck and the pre-equipped course in the show notes. Yeah. And lastly, um, if you want counseling, we work with couples from all over the world through uh, videos, video chat. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's wonderful. We've helped a lot of people through through the internet. Right. <laughs> so if you want help like that through counseling, you could just feel free to reach out to dearyomarycouple.com and we'd love to help you. 
Yes. We look forward to staying connected with you. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode, give it a thumbs up if you're on YouTube. And if you're on um, Apple or Spotify, well, I don't think you can leave a review on Spotify. But if you're on Apple, leave a review. We read every single review. And we've really been enjoying reading the reviews you guys have left lately. So thank you so much. It means a lot. Yeah. Literally, we were looking at them today. We haven't looked at them for a while. And we were blown away by your feedback. Yeah. Thanks, guys. It really does touch our hearts and uh, encourages us. So thank you for that. All right, guys, we love you. We'll see you next week.